Welcome to the Seed e-learning podcast. My name is Rachel Wilder and I will be your host for this podcast where we focus on all things e-learning in Seed. Today I'm joined by Dr Joanne Tippett and Matthew Sanderson and we're going to be having a discussion about student engagement and in particular the use of breakout rooms in dual teaching. Hello Joanne, hello Matt, how are you both? Yeah, hi Rachel, uh, thanks very much for inviting me on yet again. This is now my third podcast, I'm becoming a bit of a, a regular here and uh, of course, my, uh, my, my colleague and, uh, in fact, in many respects, my boss, uh, Joe Tippett, is here with us as well today, aren't you, Joe? Hi, yes, I'm really delighted to talk about our experiences of dual learning because we've certainly learned a lot ourselves, I'd say, in the last, well, over the last year, but in particular, the last few weeks in terms of doing this both face-to-face -face and online at the same time. So the listeners have already met Matt from uh, some previous podcasts. Uh, Joanne, could you tell us a bit about the subject you teach and how this led to your creation of the Ketzel boards that are so fantastic for developing learning? I teach about designing sustainable futures and it's in a planning school so I'm very the core questions I'm asking in my teaching and my research I'm very fortunate that they really come together is how do we imagine a sustainable future and how can we work together effectively to achieve that and the Ketso boards that I the Ketso kits that I use in my teaching actually came out of my early work in rural and urban regeneration, working with people to help them rethink their neighborhoods, their farms, their villages, to think how they could achieve what they wanted in a more sustainable way. But I wanted to hear everybody's voice. And I developed a toolkit for creative engagement, stakeholder and community engagement, which I've since been using in my teaching to engage students in their learning. What's been really exciting is through the pandemic, we suddenly had to go from very intensive discussion-based teaching. I always stop and interject and ask questions and I have people doing very active learning, hands-on learning, building images together and building the Ketso kits on the table together. During the pandemic, I suddenly had to think, how do we do this when we're not together, when we're apart? But I wanted to keep the hands-on visual learning that had been so successful in my earlier teaching in that online context. So we came up with the idea of Ketso Connect, which is a small individual kit that you send to each individual student to use wherever they are. They use it in short bursts of engagement with time on their own to reflect put the ideas down on this felt, they can move them around and develop clusters, and then use that as a prompt to talk to each other and engage with each other. They're developing their thinking for their group reports, for their essays, for their assignments, in questions in response to the teaching on these Ketso boards, sharing the ideas verbally or even visually on Padlet. And we've brought that to technique into dual learning and that has been really interesting bringing that active Im embedded active learning into the classroom and outside of the classroom at the same time i've really enjoyed working with ket so uh, over the years that i've i've known you and uh, first as a student when i i started at manchester and now as a uh, PhD researcher, as a teaching assistant, and in fact, as your supervisee. <laughs> and yeah, I've always found uh, Ketso to be really, really 
helpful, but also actually great fun. The, the, the tactile experience of being able to set your thoughts out in front of you on your table, on a big desk, whatever, and then to be able to move around, you know, to create this mind map of thoughts. But then rather than having to sit there with a pen on paper and scribble it all out and rewrite, you can pick things up, you can move them around. And it's, it's always struck me and uh, as, as a wonderful way to help develop ideas, to restructure ideas, um, to build links between one idea and the next to, you know, to allow you to develop themes. Mm. And um, I think certainly as a TA, when I've, I've dropped into breakout rooms where we've had students using uh, Ketso Connect, I've noticed that um, they, they're, they're getting into the same idea, you know, they're building their ideas, they're sharing their ideas with others, as you say, through Padlet, and, and they're really getting on board with the whole concept. Um, so, something that's been really different, so, something that's been really different for me since we've come back to teaching is really thinking about the, the way we've taken this pandemic-inspired response, that, okay, right, we're not together, quickly, let's get something out to people, into, into normal teaching and thinking about the, the fact that the students have their own kit, that, that it's theirs and they get to use it throughout the whole of their time at university, I think is really different and interesting because what I'm seeing is that they're taking the ideas from a workshop. So for instance, today we were running an essay planning workshop with, with first year undergraduates. I asked them that they okay, take this home. A lot of you've got some gaps and you can now see the gaps do some reading. I'd like to see some more leaves of all the different colors, which is breaking down the, the components of the essay. And I particularly want you to look for some evidence, examples, etc. In this case, they'd be writing that on brown leaves. That's the sort of soil that they're growing their ideas in. And I want you to bring that back to a workshop in two weeks. And then we're going to start clustering them and structuring them and seeing if we can come up with themes and headings and think about what the key points are and actually start to develop your storyline from that almost granular ideas that we've broken it down and now we're gonna build it back up. But a key thing I'm seeing is that the students are drawing their ideas more effectively through from the lectures, the workshops and into their assignments, which is so often a problem, isn't it, that you see, that students they, they, it can almost feel quite fragmented where well, we have a lecture and then we have an assignment and they don't always join up the dots between them and I think this is a way to help them do that almost naturally it's just happening organically because they're physically carrying something through and developing their ideas actively from both the lectures through to the workshops and into the assignments. One thing I've noticed is that um obviously that your, your modules both of your modules actually involve a, a group assessment and we've we've got students some of in the classroom others are at home in the uk others are abroad and they can't travel for well we we know the reasons of course and, and i i've noticed very much that uh, for the group work especially students are, are using the ketso connect through through padlet and it's enabling them probably much better than in the past to to develop and to share their ideas um, okay not everybody yet has received uh, their Ketso Connect and in a few cases uh, students are having to participate by scribbling on multiple post-it notes and things like that but they're entering into 
the spirit of the methodology of the technique and and people are really getting on board with this whole idea of developing as you say ideas and then flows and for group work especially it's been a brilliant way for them not only to to build their ideas together but also to come together and to to create a little learning mini community and uh, again from what i've heard it's it, it has helped people uh, people for example who might not speak english as a first language have have found it a useful way to be able to put their ideas down and to share them without necessarily being or feeling embarrassed or shy uh, because of their language skills so there's been some really, really obvious benefits there, you know, where people have really, really found it useful. In us moving to online learning and now dual delivery, can you tell us of your perspective of student engagement with teaching? So I think I've, so one of the things I've seen is that I think that there is a real hunger for engagement, but also a bit of a sense of isolation and disconnection for the ones who aren't in the classroom. And I think what we've been really working to do is take how we bridge those experiences between, and it's, it's not just the people who are studying from abroad, although that's some of them, but some of them are suddenly having to not come in because they're ill or they have symptoms or something. And so we're, we're also experiencing that it's, it's quite, there's a sort of a desire for engagement, but a difficulty engaging. And there is that bit of a, a disconnect and a fragmentation that comes from the the halt, the jerkiness of the Zoom, the Zoom interactions, which is quite interesting. It, it's a different timing and a different sort of way of engaging that you need on Zoom than in person. It, it's less fluid. You've got less of the, the easy body language. Of course, only one person can speak at a time. So you have to have lots more of those slightly jerky gaps where you're trying to work out who is speaking. So we've really been thinking a bit about how we how we bring the people who are on Zoom into the classroom and help the people who are in the classroom also engage and connect some of the ideas of the people on Zoom as much as possible. And a few things I think have really helped with that. Giving people time on their own to reflect and think before they share ideas. Now that is gen just generally, I think, really good teaching practice. We often launch right into, okay, just turn to your neighbor and share, and sh or go into a breakout room and discuss this. But actually stopping and giving people a few moments to write some ideas down, to think, to think, what, what is it I want to say? What are my key ideas in silence before you share them? That it really helps people to collect their thinking, to, to gather their thoughts. It particularly does help the shy people or the people with, with different, who speak perhaps different languages, just to have a moment to get their thoughts together. Using the Ketso kits to do this is it's really interesting. It gives more permission to do it. It makes it feel more comfortable than if you just stop and say, just write something down. It's almost like the kit gives the sort of ground rules itself to enable that sort of reflective pause. Plus, of course, the fact you can move the ideas around means that they can move ideas in response to the conversation. So I always ask students to choose one, one or two top ideas they'd like to share using one of the colored icons. And I find that they, they I see them in the classroom and I suspect this is happening on Zoom as well. As they're going around the circle and the ideas are changing, some of them might, might move their icon or they'll move leaves around a little bit. And I know for me personally, I always find it quite stressful when you know it's going around the circle and it's gonna to come to me and I've got to say something. 
if it's if I'm trying to just hold it in my head, I'm, I'm spending most of my time remember trying to remember what I was going to say and thinking, oh no, somebody said that. Now I'm going to have to say something else. And I find, and I'm seeing this reflected in my students, it's much more relaxed and calmer for me if I've got some ideas in front of me. It's almost something physical and tangible I can see and I can hang on to, and I'll be able to respond and I can move it around a bit in response to the conversation. I feel much more relaxed about joining in and we're seeing that in person and we're seeing it in the Zoom. Uh, so, so I think that's been really interesting, giving that permission and the sort of the sense that this is a, this is the thing, this is what we're doing. Yeah, I think definitely with uh, anybody, everybody, we all speak uh, more confidently if we have something pre-prepared in front of us. And uh, certainly uh, when we begin an, uh, the lecture session or the workshop, depending on what it is, if we give them those few moments to take a break, to introduce themselves to their neighbours in, in the lecture hall or to introduce themselves to uh, a random breakout group on Zoom, then they have that opportunity to just, as you say, to pause and to focus. And it, it, it brings them into the room, whether it's, whether it's virtual or whether it's there face to face, it brings them into the teaching space. And it, as you say, it, it, it allows them to, to then concentrate and take it forward. So some of the feedback we have received from other academic staff is how to use breakout rooms effectively. What has your experience been of this and do you have any tips for our listeners? And uh, that's interesting. I think generally it's something that we've got on with really rather well, though there have from time to time been challenges. Um, technological, of course, to start with, you know, way back when, a year or so ago, we were really learning how to use Zoom. And <laughs> it wasn't always easy from day one, but we got there very quickly. But I, I think the use, as, as Joanne said already, the use of Ketso Connect in the breakout rooms to give the students something to do there and then. They've got this tactile learning tool in front of them in a breakout room and they're working on something. It's not like they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs or wagging their pen around and looking at a blank sheet of paper saying, what do I do? They actually have something. And then so, yeah we, we we get them you know to 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 work together and it's it's really effective i've found i i think that that one of the issues we found with breakout rooms in dual teaching as well is in a, a mismatch in timing so what we've discovered is that it if you put the students into a breakout room in zoom they it takes a bit longer to go through the same questions than it does for the room the students in the room because it, there's that, that, like I said, that waiting and that that sort of politeness of, oh, no, you go next. Uh, oh, oh, no, you go next. And so what we found is that tends to take a little longer than the the ones in the room. But again, if you give students a Ketso Connect, they've got so much more to talk about in the room that actually they, 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 that we can even that out a bit because for two reasons the, the ones in the room have got more to talk about it's less awkward You've, you haven't quite got that that moment when it all goes silent again and then you were thinking oh no and they but they haven't come back from zoom yet and we're that's that that mismatch in the room and equally in zoom the fact that they've actually chosen an idea to say and they know they're going to go around the room that around their breakout room in turn and each one has got an idea to say and it 
builds a sense that they are their facilitators, they're managing their time, they get through their rounds and everybody gets to say more quickly. So I find that that brings it together a bit more. One of the things we've done, though, which I think is really quite interesting, is to try and have at least one of the breakout rooms just before a break. So that because another thing that's mismatched is breaks take longer in the room because it takes longer to get out of the room. They have to go to find the toilet. They might have to queue. They might want to go to get a coffee. That takes longer than it does at home. Because obviously, if you're at home, you don't have to queue for the toilet and you're just there. And you could just lose interest and start flagging a bit if the break's too long. So what we've been doing is giving one of the, trying to give one of the breakout sessions right before a break and then say, okay, so people in the room after two or three minutes, you, okay, I'll, I'll whoever's in the room, okay, great, now off, you can go off, keep them there until they've had some chat though. But then the, what we find is the ones in the Zoom, I think, so okay, we're expecting you to talk for at least five or so minutes, we're having a 10 minute break and they're, they're, that's giving them a bit of a chance to catch up and talk. So, that, so that, that's been one of the things we've been doing is just thinking a little bit about the where the mismatches and timing come. Because another mismatch in timing is at the beginning of a lecture where it takes longer to come in and settle down in a room and then people are chatting and it's quite lively and it's fun and, and it, it's part of seeing people. And, and in the meantime, the lecturer's sitting there frantically trying to get your computer up and running and it's taking a long time and the Zoom's taking a long time and you're not there and it's, oh my goodness, this is a bit frustrating. And, but the people on Zoom, they're sitting there going, okay, great. Now I'm just staring at, I'm listening to a bunch of other people having a nice chat and or, or, and nothing's happening and this is a bit boring and it's not getting them off to a good start. So one of the to things be fair, do... To be fair, um, what, we've, what I've found, um, I tend to start the Zoom three to five minutes before you're due to start the session. Um, before you come in, I have a bit of a chat with them tell them what we're going to be doing today, um, ask them ask them what the weather's like, where they are, um, ask them how they are, things like that. So I, I, I try to keep a little bit of a conversation going and that, that draws them into it straight away. And then as, uh, as you know, when you come in, um, sometimes if, if you're going to be busy for a minute or two, you'll turn the sound down in the lecture hall so you can't hear me and I continue to, uh, to engage with the students on Zoom. I think something that some of the listeners to the podcast might not realize is the size of the sessions that we're talking about. Um, I've heard feedback from colleagues and, um, and um, peers that um, they're dealing with, say, a workshop or a seminar group of a dozen, and they're finding it challenging on uh, Zoom or whatever. Of course, in your modules, we've got about 100, 110 people on each, and sometimes, given that I'm obviously there on the Zoom most of the time, I quite often I've got 40, 40 plus students um, who I'm engaging with in parallel uh, to, to you engaging with the people in the classroom. So it's, it's actually quite a large cohort on on Zoom and, and it can be quite challenging, but it's, it's also great fun. Um, I think that probably the most interesting thing is when we, when you open a session up to questions and we've got to try and invite questions and participation from this great big number of people in Zoom, but we get some really, really good ones. Uh, some people are still very shy with the language skills and I've noticed more so this year. Um, I mean, it's a fact that overseas students who haven't moved to the UK aren't getting the immersion in the language that they would have normally. So 
more so this year, we're seeing some of the students being quieter than we might hope for, but even they will type questions into chat and then you or I read them out over the Zoom and of course everybody in the lecture hall then hears them as well. So we're definitely getting the participation and I think the more effort you put into participating with them, the more effort they give back to you. And that of course is to come back to it, that's where the, the Ketso Connects helps so, so well because it's effort going in and in return they are they're giving us that effort back and it's making for great uh, sessions. I think something else that has really helped with this as well is the fact that the TAs working on the other side of Zoom and know the subject and are able to engage with the students. So what we're actually finding there's, I, I've started posting the chat files on um, with the lecture because there's so much interesting interaction going on in the chat file that I can't possibly follow all of whilst I'm teaching in the room. It's, it's just not possible, not with that much flow, but I'm finding also that the, the TAs are filling in some interesting anecdotes or ideas or putting in some web links and just in response to the conversation that's ha that I'm having, their own thoughts and bringing that. And I, th I think that's making it lively and more engaging for the students uh, that are not in the room as well. Because I think broadly speaking, let's face it, they're not, they're not getting the same immersed interactive feeling that the students that are in the room are having. So I think this has really helped bring them bring them something more and extra as well and I think and it does really help because we've got we could have what up to eight ten breakout rooms easily on zoom in any one of these workshops that the TAs are dropping they drop in on the breakout rooms they've told we tell them in advance we will drop in but and, and sometimes when it's zoom only I'll do that too but obviously if I'm doing both I can't I can't I can't manage both at the same time you can't be quite focus at both the TAs dropping in on the sessions means that you can quickly just gauge interaction see how they're doing answer a specific question that they might not come out with um, in the main room often also because we've got the padlets and and the Ketso Connects might be on the padlets we can click on the Ketso we can click on the padlets have a look at them and just comment about something comment about oh I saw one of these ideas was this and this is a really interesting point the TAs help bring some of that interaction that's happening in the breakout rooms then they might come back and say back into plenary and so speaking through the screen and speaking to everybody an interesting point that came up in this room was this and this and then that will spark a conversation that I can have and I'll bring I'll have seen some leaves when I'm walking around the room I'll have seen a few ideas on leaves that students have got in their Ketso Connects because I can, it, what it helps me do is very, very quickly get a view of what the students are talking about and writing about on their Ketsos. And I can say, well, there was an idea over there around finance and models of finance. And that really linked to an idea that I saw over there. And then Matt might come in with a comment of something that happened on Zoom and we're just knitting together the students' ideas and we're able to bounce off what they're writing because we can see it and we can bounce off that and build our sort of teaching on our content a little bit in response to that. So the lessons are actually live and lively and building on their knowledge. In fact, it's, it's easier to, to monitor the breakout rooms by watching the Padlets because, of course, ducking in and out on Zoom from each breakout room does take quite a bit of time. And if you've only got a five minute breakout, 
you don't get to talk to everybody. But yes, exactly. The um, the fact that we have it all there live, I mean, it allows you, it allows us to to uh, to what we do to to respond. And if somebody comes up with a, an idea or a theme that is pertinent, but maybe you've not thought of, or you know, you, you can spend a bit of time on it and, and and give them that extra bit of content that they're obviously. Uh, looking for and it, it is it's great it, it's it's as you say it's it's live teaching it's it's real-time lesson planning you know it's it's um it's adaptive <laughs> and i think you, you we can't underestimate the value i've got a certain learning outcomes i want to cover and a certain amount of content but you can't underestimate the value of teaching that content in a way that reflects on and bounces off questions, ideas, prompts, it, 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 different international experiences that the students bring in live. So you might actually cover a lot of the same things just in different ways, but because the students are helping co-construct that knowledge, even in our more traditional lectures where it's still got a hundred odd slides and lots of bullet points and things I'm going through, but there's those pauses to reflect and write, and then you draw on those ideas because the students are helping co-construct that. They're going to take it in so much better and engage with it so much better than if I just give a performance and that's it. So I think that's what, that's, that has been just phenomenally different for me. And I, I'm loving having the students having this hands-on learning kit in the lectures, because I was sort of, is all, I was almost dreading going back from having had some of the Zoom meetings where every single session we do something where I'd get them to write or draw or something. And it's not always Ketso. Sometimes we get them to take a picture and talk about that or draw a map and talk about that. That I, I was thinking, I've got to bring that into the lecture hall. I can't, I can't lose that. And of course, with dual, we need it even more because we need that liveliness, if you like. It is interesting, though, that because they've got this physical kit for the students who do for whatever reason miss a lecture with the recorded podcasts they can still go through and do the exercise and catch up with it because they, they say, okay we say take out your green leaves and do this okay and then we pause the recording they can do that and they can catch up as well so that's been really helpful and I think possibly helpful for the equity value of, of saying, well, yes, okay, you didn't quite get the live experience, but you can at least catch up with some of the actual interaction. It's not just like watching TV afterwards, or bad TV, because let's face it, with production values via Zoom and little tiny person waving their hands around at the bottom of a lecture theatre is, is not, not going to be great TV, is it? One thing that struck me, actually, is although there are plenty of breaks in, in the sessions now and even in even in your lectures as you say um, you're still taking a break here or there you're taking a break out letting the students develop ideas having seen your lectures in previous years and i'm knowing more or less what your content is i'm quite amazed that you're getting through the content at the same rate and yet allowing these breaks and it's working and and despite the fact there are more breaks, the students seem to be taking it all in just as well. So in that respect, I don't think the, the, the switch to dual learning has had any negative impact. I, I honestly think that the students are getting just the same content, but because they're getting it in a more interactive way, it's probably actually sinking in better even. So I, I, I know there are people who, um, you know, have different opinions on it, but from where I'm standing watching, 
I can't see it as anything other than beneficial. Mm. You know, something that's been, I think, really interesting as well, Matt, is 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 looking at because because we're capturing these ideas on on Padlet, not not every week, but but you know, quite a, a few ideas on Padlet most weeks. There's it's almost like the students see a, a stack of their learning over the weeks as well, and I think it's building a bit of confidence in them about how much they've learned and how much they've they they've developed. But as t as tutors, we can really see where some of the misunderstandings, maybe the gaps are, or oh, I saw something over there, and this was actually it's more like this or that was a brilliant idea and it would be great to look at it in this way and to read this work and I think that that having that visual record has been really interesting and as you say Matt for in terms of the dual engagement where often it's harder to get the engagement for the people off-site we can see it so quickly they either are or aren't adding pictures to Padlet you can quickly see which breakout room do I need to jump into and help out live and you can just jump right in and actually help the ones that seem to be struggling more so that's been because it can feel a bit like you're in a void can't it when you're you don't know which breakout rooms are teaching or which are, are, are working and which aren't when you can't see them because we don't get any you can't hear it you can't see it if you're not in it but we can see the Padlets or or not as the case may be that's very true. And, um, you know, it's something I do watch closely whenever we break out. But, you know, there's one last thing I want to admit to here. In fact, this is going to be an admission. Um, it isn't one sided. I feel that I'm benefiting here as well. You know, as a TA, I'm I'm learning new teaching techniques. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you in practice here. I'm, I'm learning, I'm watching, I'm observing. But of course, I'm developing my own skills uh, through using Zoom every week with this large cohort of students who aren't there. And let's be fair, it's going to count awfully well towards my HEA application. <laughs> Matt, you know, I think that is actually a really good point because in the past, I've, nev I've never had my TAs in a lecture because that would be a little bit of a waste of of of, of paid time if you like almost like well I'm giving a lecture I'm up front and I'm giving a lecture and so why do I need somebody sitting there watching me that that feels a bit like it, that, that that doesn't feel like a great use of the university's time but because you're sitting there doing the zoom and adding a huge amount of value to the zoom interaction and the students that are that are engaging in the dual way you're actually also hearing the lectures watching the interaction seeing how that's working it's got see that's a really good point that's got to be incredible capacity building for tas going on to teach in the future that's yeah i i, I can't but agree with that i think you're exactly right is it's as beneficial for us as it is for the students and of course helpful for you guys for us to be there so from from the TA's point of view, it's it's a win-win. And well, and, and, and also another thing that I, I've realised as well as a tutor, let, we, let's face it, with large cohorts in particular, we're going to have to do group, we have to do some group work. We need to, we need to assess one, to assess things twice. It's not possible to mark 200 assignments in the middle of teaching and then go turn around and mark 200 assignments again later. We've got to do some group work. Group work so often brings that sense of frustration, people are free riding, etc. A real benefit for me is the fact that I'm requiring visual evidence on the Padlet that students have actually contributed and we're checking that and we tell the students we're checking that. And there's so much more of a sense 
that the students are actually pulling together and working as a team. And they know that we're doing the best we can to support them working as a team and that we can see it and they can see it. And that I think is, is another major benefit for me as a teacher, because I've I, there's no choice. I, I have to do some group work. Obviously it's got its own pedagogical value as well in terms of professional development, but it's always fraught. And I think that this has really helped to make it a little less fraught and helped us all to see it a bit more as a learning process that we're learning from each other. And the TAs can put in so much more value because they can see it no matter where they are. And I think that's been really helpful. Do you think we'll continue with this format going forwards? I really hope so. I would like to see this become the, the norm that students, when they show up at, at the university, they get a hands-on learning aid to support them in their learning throughout their entire time at the university. And it's just becomes the normal part of one of the tools we offer to help support their learning. It's like a platform for their, their own personalized learning. And I'd love to see that happen. I think it'd be great um, if, if we do continue with your learning and from our experiences, I, I don't see it as a bad thing, then yes, certainly if, if the students can sit down and engage hands-on, you know, with the, with, as you say, the entire tactile uh, learning aid, I, I, I definitely think it's going to help them in future. And of course, in, in their subsequent years as well. So, and I, 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 But I don't think it's just a dual learning thing. I think it's bringing interaction into teaching no matter where you are, whatever the setting, and bringing that sense of personalised active learning. Like, this is a toolkit yeah. for you to use. You go home, write your essay, work on your planning, schedule things, work on your group groups together. So I think it goes beyond dual or face-to-face. -face. It's a hands-on learning aid that works across settings. Thank you so much, Rachel. That's been a really interesting discussion. Great questions. And thank you, Matt, for your for your contribution, obviously, in the teaching and for let's working out and thinking what we're learning from this for the future of learning, because I think there's so much innovation coming out so quickly. We really need to say, what do we want to take forward into the future to improve our students' learning experience and our own experience as tutors and TAs? Uh, Rachel, it's, uh, you know, it's been a brilliant, uh, brilliant experience for me. These these last months I've, I've learned so much about dual learning and, and delivery and as you can tell working with Joanne has been for me hugely beneficial I, I honestly think I've learned more about teaching in this last few months or definitely since the start of the pandemic than I had learned previously as a TA um, well thanks once again thank you for the chance to come along and talk on one of the best practice podcasts I so thank you to Joanna and Matt for a really interesting chat there about student engagement you can find out more about this topic and so much more by visiting our humanities pages which include our best practice resources and is full of information from the e-learning team in humanities there's a link to this from the notes section of the podcast where you can also subscribe to this podcast and you'll automatically get the latest episode on release from wherever you get your podcasts Finally, if you like this episode, tell other people about us, or if you have any ideas of things we should be covering, get in touch with us. We love to hear from you. See you next time and stay safe.